Hey everyone, this is Craig Horlbeck from the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. Join me, Danny Heifetz, and Danny Kelly every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday to help you win your draft, win your league, and most importantly, avoid that last place punishment. Follow the Ringer Fantasy Football Show on Spotify. It's the Ringer's Philly Special presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up. And with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Welcome to the local angle on FanDuel TV. I'm Shiel Kapadia, joined by Ben Solak. Eagles, get the win, 23-14, Benny Souls. As you know, I like to just to know your instant reaction. How are you feeling? Check the pulse after yet another Eagles victory as they improve to 5-0. Best feeling one of the season, right? This, this, is, this is starting to feel more familiar. It's starting to feel more like last year's team. I saw uh, Dave Hellman of... of of uh, Fox NFL covers the NFC East remarked that like for the fifth week in a row, it feels like the Eagles could be way better. Also, they covered. Also, they won. <laughs> They're undefeated, right? It's just they've just been they've been getting they've been improving week over week. They've been looking more familiar week over week, solving more problems week over week, and also still winning games. It's just a tremendous start to the season from the win loss perspective. And then if you're thinking about stuff to improve and you know kind of avoiding that that um. Uh, like, you know, you're over peaking at the wrong time, kind of, you know, making sure that you stay focused and you keep the edge sharp. Like they're, they're in a great spot. This is the Dallas Goddard game, right? Like we, we had a get AJ Brown game, right? We had a get the defensive coverage game, right? And now we have a get the Dallas Goddard, you know, target distribution game, right? They're just slowly solving problems, slowly improving in a lot of spots. They are uh, looking better week over week. Yeah, Goddard had such a slow start to the season. We've been saying, you watch the film, it's like there's nothing wrong with Dallas Goddard. Dallas Goddard looks really good. They're missing opportunities to him week in and week out. It was clear in this game. They were like, all right, he's going to get the football. He's going to be involved early. Uh, And he was, and that's a good thing because he's one of the best tight ends in the NFL. My big takeaway from this game is... Jalen Hurts looked more like Jalen Hurts in, in yeah. this game. The the dual threat, or as he likes to call himself, the triple threat version, you know, uh, arms, legs, uh, arm, not arms, you don't throw with both, arm, legs, mind, all those things. But the big thing that was kind of missing, not all the way missing, but kind of missing, 
were the legs. You know, you would watch it in last week's game. It was like, wait a minute, he can't turn the corner on some of these Bucks defenders. What's going on? Well, in this game, it was clear from the get-go whether he was just feeling better. There's no injury. There's nothing wrong with him physically. He runs 15 times for 72 yards in this game. And more importantly than the numbers is the eye test. You looked at him and you thought, this guy looks spry. This guy looks athletic. This looks like the guy we watched uh, all of last year. I think it was the first possession. The Eagles were an empty. Uh, Rams throw a, a blitz at him. He scrambles, looks spry, gets outside the pocket, makes a play. You saw the designed run game, the option run game. He's making plays yeah. with that. Uh, I think they ran a quarterback draw on third and nine. He converts on that. He, he scrambled uh, against a blitz on third and nine, picks it up. But I thought there was one play, Ben, in the second half. It was a third and seven where he runs through the tackle of, I think it was Byron Young trying to chase him down and just kind of, it's the athleticism, it's the physicality, it's what makes Hurts Hurts, and he scrambles and runs for the first down while taking some of that contact. So uh, again, if you're like, hey, that sounds like what Jalen Hurts usually does. Well, that's not really the version of Jalen Hurts we've seen so far in 2023. So I thought he answered a lot of questions uh, with his legs today. Yeah, I I got I got last week I said like I'm not liking what I'm seeing through Hurts through four weeks. Like this looks a lot more like twenty twenty one. And it was a it was a funny thing to say because I had like I would say a good sixty five percent of Eagles fans be like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard, and then a good thirty five percent be like, You're telling me, buddy, like this is really concerning. I was like, All right, so we're 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 having like a, a, a very like polarizing kind of hurt start to the season. This game looked a lot like twenty twenty two, right? Where it was just all right, great looking pockets. Great quarterbacking from the pocket, right? Where we're finding throws down the field. That huge AJ Brown throw in the second half down the field where Hurts is just like standing still with no one within three yards of him. Yeah. Then throws down the field to the Eagles star receiver, 40-yard throw, who also has no one within three yards of him. That that felt like 2022, where it was like, are they playing the Rams starters? Is this the pre what's happening? <laughs> we're just like the ease of getting that explosive play. Uh, Jalen Hurts on this game, 0.27 EPA per drop back, a hugely explosive game for him. High success rate as well. Like this felt a lot like 2022 did. And so that's a big stock up for for Hurts. It's an enormous stock up for the, for the offensive line too, who struggled, I think, a, a, a bit in that Washington game. Uh, like as it has been playing at like a high le league level as they typically do. But again, like last season was kind of like, oh, it's them and then a gap and then second place. This game felt like that. We're like, they had anything they wanted whenever they wanted. Hertz was extremely comfortable in the pocket. They moved that pocket a little bit more, right? Going to that uh, that that running point. We've theorized on this show before that getting Hertz running early can get him into a nicer rhythm early. It can set him up better. Uh, and I think you saw that in this this game of the first couple possessions. They like you know designed rollout get Dallas Goddard on that slide RPO that they ran so much in 2022. They didn't run it as much in, in 2023, right? Just get him in the flat, toss him the ball, get Hurts moving. Just seems to loosen everybody up really nicely. Uh, and so that experience right there of getting Hurts a little bit more moving, right? So you don't have to worry so much about the pocket presence stuff. And then the offensive line really stepping up. It's not like a great Rams pass rush, but they do have this guy, Aaron Donald, who you didn't hear of yeah. for three hours today. That's a huge, huge feather in, in, in the cap for Kelsey, for the interior, for Jason, uh, Jeff Stoutland and that offensive line. And so uh, this was easily the most 2022 reminiscent offensive performance there's some aj brown domination some easy dallas goddard stuff as many tush pushes as you can possibly conceive of we're gonna keep doing we're gonna do i, I swear like since the national public has started complaining about them more they're they're just playing for third and one and fourth and one to just do it more often to just just continue making a point out of it very dominant performance lovely to say it really does feel that way it's like all right if it's if it's third and three deandre swift just go down a yard 
before the sticks. Let's make sure we make people angry uh, with this once again. I'm glad you brought up the offensive line. That really, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's not fun to lead segments like this with, let's lead with the offensive line. If, you're, whole, if, you're, if you're an Eagles fan, you have to. You can't yeah, ignore yeah, it Yeah, you have point. to. Yeah. And I mean, that was just like a holy cow type performance from the offensive line. We've seen it before this season. I would say more with the run game. You know, they had the game uh, against the Vikings where you're just like, all right, the Vikings can't do anything. They're blowing them off the ball. They're running for over 200 yards. But this was more of a passing game where you mentioned, I mean, Jalen Hurts is just sitting back there with these pristine pockets where other quarterbacks in the NFL are probably watching this going, that's not fair. That's not how we have to play quarterback. You you have a big yep. advantage getting to play quarterback like that. And to be fair, some of that, you know, can be due to his scrambling ability where, you know, teams want to be disciplined with the way they rush him. But uh, man, what a performance from the O-line. They're playing with a backup right guard in Suo Peta, and I don't think his name got brought up once during the nope. entire broadcast. And that's going up, as you mentioned going up against Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald did not have a sack. Aaron Donald did not have a quarterback hit. Aaron Donald has been playing phenomenal football this season, like wrecking games, wrecking possessions, wrecking drives. And the one thing the Rams have been doing, which is very smart, is they'll find like the weak link on your offensive line and be like, okay, we're going to line up Aaron Donald here. We're going to do things so that you can't just say our whole game plan is focused on Aaron Donald. But even... With Aaron Donald having that coming in, you know, trying to single him up, they, they Eagles had a plan for that, and they were all over him all game long. They were not going to let him uh, wreck possessions in this game, and so uh, you know he had uh, again zero sacks, zero quarterback hits. I think the Rams as a team did they even have a sack? Uh, I can't even remember. Uh, in they the did. one they sack, one. Yeah, yeah. one sack and two quarterback hits, two quarterback hits on over forty dropbacks for Jalen Hurts. I mean, that is an incredible job. That's really at the yeah. core uh, of what the Eagles offense did here. Uh, real quick, give me one more takeaway from this Eagles win. I will once my cat stops running around through my blinds. Uh, Brian Johnson, two week, to the last two weeks, I've been really impressed. Uh, uh, offensive play caller was a big question mark for me entering the season. I thought through the first few weeks of the season, you had some good cases for complaints. You had some good spots where you could say, he needs to be doing this better. Like, why doesn't this look like 2022? I joked today that he like found the Dallas Goddard playbook at the bottom of a closet somewhere, right? Because it was just no Goddard, no Goddard, no Goddard, and then all of a sudden all Goddard. Um, but for the last two weeks, you again, like I brought up that AJ Brown, uh, a deep catch, right? That 40 yard, no one's near him. Dallas Goddard had an explosive catch on like a curl and go, right? You saw Amon Ross St. Brown score a touchdown on that play uh, uh, last week in a primetime game against the Packers. Uh, they're, the, the Eagles are finding a lot of downfield throws that are way, 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 way easier than the other team's downfield throws get to be in the league, right? Like, you brought up that fact of, like, other teams watch the Eagles, and, like, we don't get to play with an offensive line. This We don't get to play with pockets like this. The same thing is true of, like, Jalen Hurts' throws that are, like, 15, 20-plus yards down the field. You're just like, where are the dudes? Where's the defense? Why I, the, the, the ease that they're having in opening up some of those downfield throws, pitching good changeups at the right time, right? Lining A.J. Brown up in the slot, getting him the matchups that you want. They're, they are really successful right now in, in in activating plays down the field and getting some of those explosive passes, which is important because this team tends to be a really, really, really uh, methodical mover of the ball, right? In this game alone, right? You have uh, unbelievable drives. You have a 17-play, 83-yard, 8-minute field goal drive, a 10-play, 72-yard, 6-minute field goal drive. You have a 7-play, 75-yard drive that ends in interception in the end zone, but another huge one, 15 plays, 56 yards, 8 minutes, field goal drive, 12-play, 75-yard, 6-minutes touchdown. Like, they tend to inch, right? Like, and then they've been able to do that for a while, and it's impressive. 
but it, you also need to be able to generate some explosives, right? That's an, a, a non-negotiable part of playing offense in this league, and they're doing a better job over that. I think a huge part of the credit goes to Brian Johnson. Yeah, I think the explosives are tied to, you know, what you're saying, like, is, is also tied to the pass protection. I mean, uh, when these teams are trying to heat up Jalen Hurts and they're blocking it up and it's like, okay, uh, this coverage is only meant to last for so long and uh-oh, the Eagles blocked it up and now he's just sitting there looking for someone to throw to. I mean, they've got AJ, Devontae Smith was not even heard from uh, really in this game. They've got AJ Brown, they've got Devontae Smith, they've got Dallas Goddard, that when they have times, uh, time and the opponent decides, hey, let's gamble a little bit and try to generate pressure and they don't get home, those guys are going to be running free and wide open. So you certainly saw some of that in this game. All right, let's take a quick break here. We will come back soon on the Ringers Philly Special. Welcome back to the Ringers Philly special. Benny Souls, my other big picture takeaway, and then we'll do, you know, offense and defense separately here. But uh, I was just really impressed with the defensive performance in the second half. I mean, the way they started this game, you were like, uh oh, okay, this might end up being a, uh, a long day at the office for Sean Desai and for this defense. They were trying different things. It seemed like the plan early on was Mario Goodrich in the slot on early downs, Eli Ricks uh, in the slot. On third down, and then eventually they said, "Hey, both of you, uh, come over here, Bradley Roby. You just get in there and you, and you yep. play this slot." Uh, although at the end of the game, Eli Ricks was back in there, so we'll have to, you know, we we don't have the snap counts uh, in front of us exactly how they did it. But last five possessions for the Rams, all of these in the second half: punt, 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 turnover on downs, end of game. Five possessions, total of ninety-five yards. The Rams did not cross midfield. They did not run a play in Eagles territory after the second quarter. This was a top five offense statistically going into this game. I mean, they were really playing well. They played the 49ers earlier. It wasn't just all bad defenses they were facing. And early on, you know, they, they put together that great first drive. They scored 14 points before halftime. But man, in the second half, I thought the Eagles defense got after them. I thought the pass rush started to uh, get going. And if you're looking at this as a whole, if you would have said before the game, hey, Eagles are going to uh, limit Matthew Stafford, Sean McVay, and this Rams offense to 14 points, and they're not going to score any in the second half, you would say, okay, sign me up. That will be an Eagles win, and, and that's how it played out. Yeah. the uh, After that first drive, that Rams opening drive, how were you feeling? I was thinking the game was going to end 45-42 after that first 100%, drive. 100%. I, mean, I thought it was going to be a shootout. <laughs> Cooper Cup has like five receptions on that drive alone. Matthew Stafford just completing passes down the field. You, I, I just started to keep a running tally of the players in coverage of Cooper Cup <laughs> when he caught a ball because I thought that was going to be a thing I had to do for the remainder of the game. Yeah. And he, he has three three catches the rest of the uh, of the game. And it's not because he was sitting. It's not because the injury. Like He was out there. Uh, the Eagles did a nice job saying, all right, if you're just going to be in-breakers, 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 all this short area stuff until the cows come home, we're going to play uh, a lot more zone coverage. We're going to put a lot of bodies here, and we're going to force you to throw these in-breakers either further down the field or throw out to the sideline. And the Rams got theirs a couple of times, that Puka Nakua touchdown uh, to uh, over James Bradbury being an example of one. They're trying to throw this corner route to Cooper Cup. They can't connect on that. They're trying to get Tyler Higby activated in the flats. They can't connect on that. Very quickly, Sean Desai, like, like you said, they, they started to get Bradley Roby on the field, but even then they just started to put more bodies in the area of, 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 the, of the defense, that, that intermediate middle, really that short middle, and just say, listen, like, if this is all you're going to do, we're going to sit here, take it away, and make you beat us in, in, in a different method. And the Rams weren't able to do so. They had open receivers, they had chances, but the Eagles also had a dominant pass rush, right? And that's what we always talk about on 
Eagles podcast is this dichotomy of pass rush and coverage. Can you hold in the back end long enough to get let the pass rush get home uh, to a quarterback like Stafford who will hang in there to the last second and will throw the ball aggressively in an offensive line that was like performing pretty well, but not necessarily an elite unit. They showed up, right? I mean, you had so many like Josh Sweat was a half step away. Jalen Carter was a half step away. All of a sudden, right tackle, uh, Rob, Havinson, Rob Havinson goes down. And then uh, the young man comes in, Warren McClendon. And Hassan Reddick just eyes big as saucers. I mean, holy smokes. The, like, he was against McClendon for like five plays and had like eight <laughs> pressures. I don't even know how the science worked. Uh, they, were, they were really, really, really keyed in late in the game. You, I continue to be so impressed by how this team closes out games, man. Like, it's such a yeah, luxury. Like, you, do, you just... And, and, and I said this... Both, in, si- and if, both sides of the ball, yeah. I, precisely that. I said this, and, and a few Eagles fans were like, well, what about the, the Commanders game? And it's like, well, the, the Commanders game was so shocking for that reason. When the Eagles get a second-half lead, their ability to just string together long drives, put points on the board, avoid mistakes, and let the pass rush eat in the second half because they know they're in a pass script. Like, they, I don't know who's the second-best team in the league at managing a lead, but they're not close to the Eagles. The Eagles might be lapping the rest of the league in their ability to just say... Once we have the lead, we don't give it up and we usually extend it. We shorten this game and we extend the lead. They are so mature, so dominant when they carry that second half lead in. And so uh, that that pass rush is not really showing up at the first drive and the corner change, you're worried about it. And then they get their sea legs under them and they just dominate the rest of the game. Hugely impressive defensive performance. Yeah, I think now that you mention it, yeah, that's why. That's probably why that commander's game felt so weird that that has to happen register to me until i was yeah. watching the rams game and i was like this is how it usually looks right, right. Yeah, yeah 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 usually there's someone's coming up with a big play a big sack something on the last defensive possession on the last offensive possession they're like running the ball and oh oh uk eagles just took you know seven minutes off the clock there like yeah these are not normal things that happen to you know normal teams week in and week out yet for them it has been pretty consistent here uh over the last Two seasons. Let, let's just stick with the defense and finish out all our notes with the defense here. They give up 249 yards and 17 first downs uh, based on success rate. This was the defense's second best game of the season behind that Bucks game. And maybe more importantly, mm-hmm. based on success rate, this was the Rams' worst game of the season. So it's always good to measure against the competition. What do they do on normal weeks? And like you said, they have you know some injuries up front, but they also had Cooper Cup for the first time and like Cooper Cup was, you know, for at least the yeah. first half looked like Cooper Cup and then maybe he wore down a little bit, uh, hadn't played in a full game, but that's something other opponents did not really have to deal with. Uh, we talked about what they did there um, at nickel. Uh, and I think your point about the pass rush, yeah, it really felt like in the second half, the two defenses, there was such a difference because the Eagles ended up running, I think, 78 plays and the Rams offense had 55 plays. Eagles defense was just like fresh, like, let's go kill this guy on every down. And the Rams defense was like, oh my God, do we have to do this again? Jalen Hurts has just scrambled for another first down and we've been on the field uh, all day long. But yeah, there was all in the second half. You had that Jalen Carter sack, which holy cow, that was a, uh, that was a big boy sack right there. Uh, Jordan Davis blew up a screen in the second half. Uh, You mentioned it. Josh Sweat had a nice quarterback hit on a third down there. uh, And then late, Hassan Reddick with the pair of sacks. You know, he had the one, and then, like you mentioned, the backup comes in, and he's like, okay, this is my time right now. Uh, and he finishes it off with another sack. Nick Sirianni, I, what do you think he like wanted to do? Did he want to go like headbutt? Did he want to do the like, you know, yeah. jump up and do kind of the shoulder thing? He was basically all the way out. Nick, they, I want to get to this uh, at the end too. Yeah, there were a lot of things sort of going on uh, on the sideline and sort of weird stuff in this game. But yeah, Sirianni was definitely pumped about the way Reddick ended the game right there. 
I think he was going headbutt, but I think while he was about <laughs> to go headbutt, I think he was going headbutt, but I think in the moment which he realized that he was about to go headbutt, like just before he took off, he was like, I, I, no, 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 bad idea, bad idea, bad idea. Yeah, because you got the brim of the hat and you also got helmet into forehead. Mm-hmm. It's just not a good look. Uh, the, the, I, like I said at the top, like the fact that this team's still not perfect and, 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 and has like an edge and has stuff to improve on week over week and that, that being to their benefit. I was thinking precisely of that Kelsey moment on the sideline where he's mm. the Eagles took delay game penalty and he's he's fired up about the snap count about the procedure when they're down low. And it's just uh, a reminder that like if there's a, a culture that the combined leadership of Hertz and Sirianni has really brought to this team, it's really like a, a, a very deep obsession with being like highly competitive in every environment, right? Where it's like it doesn't how much does it really matter that we're taking delay game penalties right now? It doesn't. But if you just make the scope this play, this was a huge avoidable negative for the Philadelphia Eagles. And we don't do that here. And we're really frustrated by it. And the, the, it, um, I like to call Sirianni the Pander King because I think he is. But I don't think that that culture, that idea of like, we get really fired up when we make dumb mistakes. We get really fired up when we do the little stuff that fails. Like we, we, we compete in every single play and every single facet of every single play. I think that's real. Like there, There's legitimate buying to that on all levels. Sirianni and Hurts from the top down to, to Jason Kelsey, obviously a huge team leader. Like They tend to be just really, really oriented on detail stuff. Think about how fired up Devontae Smith was and Nick Sirianni was after the Quez Watkins third and two failed screen. Like It was just, we had two on two. We threw the screen. We had the blocks. We need to get that first down. You should you shouldn't just be just don't throw it to a third and two screen to Quez like that's the solution. But instead, it's like we expect Quez Watkins to to really really execute here, even though Quez is going to get like eleven targets for the rest of the season. You know, it, it's it's there's a real 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 like obsession with being perfect on every single play. That I think like when I try to understand how this team started five and zero for consecutive seasons, why this team is whatever it is like twenty one and one and hurts his last twenty two games. That's got to be a big part of it. They are very detail oriented. They are very competitive within the scope of one play. Yeah, let's get to all those sort of little weird things. You mentioned uh, a couple of them there. Yeah, Kelsey, uh, you know, they, they, they didn't have uh, whatever it was. They weren't ready to snap the ball on time. They take the delay of game penalty. He comes onto the sidelines. I didn't think he was, I mean, it was hard because I feel like the broadcast would be describing one thing and then the pictures they would be showing me weren't as animated as I thought they were going to be. Do you agree with that? Do you know what I'm saying? I don't know if you were listening with yeah. the sound on or not. Okay. No, no, no. no. Yeah. I, I get that. Yeah, I usually, I usually have the sound on. I like it. That's what broadcasts do. You know what I'm saying? Like, Aiden yeah, Hutchinson usually it matches one- more, though, I would say. Hutchinson had a one-handed pick today behind the line of scrimmage, and the broadcaster called it the most athletic play he's ever seen a defensive lineman make. Like, people just be saying <laughs> I do, things, man. I don't know. Listen, like, I do I, love defensive lineman interceptions are always awesome, though. I haven't yes. even seen that one. Okay. Yeah, there's... Uh, I, I, and in general, I find all commentating is over-exaggerated. <laughs> so it's tough for him to move. It doesn't move the needle too much for me. <laughs> Including our own on uh, the Ringers Philly special. Uh, yeah, but Jason Kelsey was animated on the sideline. Well, it, it didn't look like he was like, I'm going to, you know, rip someone's head off. Like we have seen Jason Kelsey is, uh, you know, I, I wrote a very long story about this many years ago. Like he has a rage inside of him that the people who who have known him when he was in high school and college can't help but laugh at when he, you know, knocks over trash cans. And like, I think, uh, I think there was a story in college where somebody uh, cut in front of him to get their ankles taped and he was, ba- and he, I think he punched a hole through a window. Uh, he was so angry that it was, <laughs> it was allowed to happen. So he's, he's much more mature now, but that yeah. is still, you know, uh, that is still very much inside of him. So, you know, he was annoyed about it uh, on the sideline. And to your point, 
It's rare. That's You watch all these other teams in the NFL, you will find stuff like this happening all the time. For the Eagles, especially with Kelsey, this type of thing uh, has not really happened there. The Quez Watkins thing, I mean, Quez Watkins, I don't think should be on the field. Like, Olamide Zacchaeus gives you more in that role than Quez Watkins does. I mean, does that, like, Olamide Zacchaeus, when he got to play for Quez Watkins, he was doing all the little things that you need out of that person. That is not the person, you you know, that guy's not going to get a lot of targets. Uh, he needs to be the one, Olamide Zacchaeus, on that A.J. Brown touchdown, busting his butt downfield to get a block, you know, doing little stuff like that, which he does pretty consistently. I think he had one play early on where he didn't run his route quick enough, um, his shallow cross over the middle quick enough. And Nick Sirianni kind of mentioned it in a press conference that it made the picture cloudy for Jalen Hurts. And, you know, he scrambled and he took a sack. That's like the only time I really remember being like, all right, Zacchaeus, you know, this little stuff, like he's got to do it better. Uh, I think he's been bad. I, I don't know why. Um, and I, I really do, like, I think next week, I don't know what the snap counts were today, but I really would not be surprised if we saw it uh, flip-flopped quite a bit next week with Zacchaeus playing more and Watkins. Now. I mean, how can, every time Quez Watkins has played the last, like from last year to this year, it feels like there's something, he always has a play like this. Does it not feel like that? I know I'm preaching yes. to the choir here. Yeah. That, I'm about to say, since 2022, yeah. the Ben Solak list of why are we doing this has all been very clear. Why are we doing Quez Watkins targets? Why are we doing Kenneth Gainwell targets? And Ben has been vindicated on both fronts. I did a little bit of like, a, maybe I like Kenneth Gainwell dalliance there, but DeAndre Swift, like very clearly, we're good. Both of those guys where it's like, I'm glad they're on the team. They are, you know, they have a role, a Quez field stretcher. Kenneth is like a good third down back and he's a good backup guy. But at all times, like the, the Eagles formula on offense is very simple. You throw the ball to AJ, throw the ball to Devontae Smith, throw the ball to Dallas Goddard, you hand the ball off to DeAndre Swift. There's no reason to be doing anything else any given time unless we're in like scramble drill mode or busted coverage mode, which was Alameda Zacchaeus touchdown against the uh, uh, Buccaneers. I, Quez, like it Quez is like a Howie thing, right? It's like a sixth round pick on a speedy receiver. And so like, that's just plus EV. And so now he's just on the team because he was cheap and he's fast. He's already like, outperformed his draft position. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but that right. doesn't mean he needs and to so, play anymore. Once Quez's contract is done, the Eagles are going to draft another sixth round receiver with speed. And yeah. then they're going to put him in Quez's spot. And they're just going to do that until the cows come home. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, no, the, the Quez thing was, was uh, uh, an, a weird third and two call for a team that's otherwise so good in short yardage. Um, the... Hertz interception into Sirianni's sideline conversation. That's another one. There you go. That yeah. was next on my list. Yep. Go ahead. Yeah. So this was funny because at the end of the first half, when the Eagles scored a touchdown in 32 seconds, which by the way is an insane drive, since 2001, which is as long as the stat head drive finder goes back, that's only the 14th drive in, in, in that time span where a team starts with inside of their own 30. They have less than 45 seconds on the clock and it's the end of the first half and they score a touchdown. You never get mm, touchdowns Interesting, there, right? Okay. You're like, you'll get more touchdowns of that type in the second half because a team like knows they need seven. Usually, if you get a scoring drive there at all, which you usually don't, you get a field goal. So, rare drive. Uh, the throw that Hurts makes to AJ Brown, you got a Darian Kendrick DPI, right? That throw is intentionally to the back shoulder. It's intentionally away from coverage. AJ Brown's trying to get back to it. Darian Kendrick are hand fighting. You get the DPI call. They get to the same like relative down and distance. And they go on the other side of the formation, throw against a killer Weatherspoon on a similar throw. Hertz throws it real early and real behind. Like he's expecting AJ Brown to just get even with a killer Weatherspoon and immediately start boxing out. Brown clearly is like planning on pushing a little bit further down the field and then turning. And so there's just like a miscommunication there. But Weatherspoon the whole time is playing back shoulder. He's just like waiting, 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 waiting. And that's why he's in a perfect position to make that like incredible interception. I'm 
if 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 Sirianni's yelling at Hurts for anything, which like it seems like he was fired about something, he's yelling at Hurts because Hurts should like just not throw that route. Like he should just get somewhere else or like check out of it or something. Like I, I don't think it's like a bad throw. It's hard to gauge as a bad throw because there's a, it's a miscommunication. You don't know exactly where AJ is supposed to be and so on and so forth. It like Hurts anything, was doing like, what he, yeah. what he what he wanted to do is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. And and, 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 and it wasn't AJ like wasn't a misfire, doing, right? Yeah. And AJ might be right to 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 run the route the way he did it was just a really good play by spoon like spoon it was the whole nice time play. is like yes i know i'm going to the back shoulder i'm not playing the upfield shoulder i know i'm going back shoulder i'm gonna guess slash you know educated guess slash assume and it's gonna work for me and it did um so that that was the only one where i would say like sirianni's getting fired up and i'm and he wasn't even fired up he was just like talking with like a louder wider mouth that's the usual. one i'm saying yeah. they were describing yeah. that they go this, this got real heated they were going back and forth for a while yeah, that, that you have about seven yeah. you have seven thousand freaking cameras at sofi stadium can you show me 15 seconds of what it looked like you show me the same three second clip where yeah, yeah. it looked like it, it didn't even register to me based on like some of the stuff we've seen from both of those guys on the sideline before so that's the one i was talking about where their description didn't exactly match what i was seeing not to say they're lying maybe they saw more of it but like i would have liked to see that as the viewer yeah but here's the thing the eagles are five and oh and they're fired <laughs> up and like and so like this is good like this is classic sirianni stuff right Let, let's let's create the alternate universe let's go polar opposite the eagles are five and oh and when they have little mistakes nobody does anything and they're all chilling hunky dory on the sideline Sirianni would be up at the at the podium creating and fabricating problems that don't actually exist just to like try to give his team some bulletin board material. 100%. He'd be like, you know, like like uh, you know, we just want to make sure we don't get soft. Like he'd be like saying stuff like this. Like he'd be like, "Oh, we you know, like we're going to stay super competitive and like, you know, like oh, there's there's, you know, we go on the whiteboard every day and we write down how many bad plays Jason Kelsey had." Like stuff like that, right? <laughs> Where they'd be like, "You got to like find ways to keep the competitiveness high." They'd 100% be doing that because like, oh, we're five and oh, we don't want to get soft. But instead, it's like, cool, we have stuff to argue about. We get to keep the whole like Philly grime thing going. And I think that's great. And the reason why I think it's great is because they win a lot of football games. So even if it's like a little bit, you can see through it, it's working. And so you don't fix what ain't broke. This is perfect for coaches. This is what NFL coaches dream of. Exactly. Five and oh, and we can still, you know... We can still sleep on the mattress in our office on uh, Monday night because, man, we screwed up these these five things. This is great. This is why we got into the business. That's how NFL coaches think. It sounds weird. Uh, I actually think it's true. So, all right. Yeah. So you had that one. Sirianni, quote unquote, getting after Hertz. I don't know. We'll see if more comes out uh, about it after the red zone interception there. We talked about the Jason Kelsey one. Devontae Smith like took a long walk. What Did, did you see the long walk? You know, he, he hadn't, been I missed, targeted. I missed a long walk. You missed completed. this What's one. Okay. Walk? Okay. Uh, yeah. So walk. I, I think he hadn't been targeted. I want to say yet in the game. And so they describe it. Devante Smith just took a long walk where I guess he walked from one, you know, end of the sideline to the end, other end of the sideline. And I don't know if Nick Sirianni noticed it and followed him, was walking with him the whole time, but Nick Sirianni was kind of shoulder to shoulder with him. They like, Devontae Smith wasn't doing anything demonstrative. Maybe, you know, he, he, I'm sure he was annoyed or frustrated. He, if I were him and I didn't get the ball, uh, and I've said before, playing wide receiver sucks. You do all these reps, you know, uh, during the week, and then you get into a game and you get the ball thrown at you like, you know, six times if you're good, and two of those might be off target. And like, I've, I've gone on this whole spiel before, playing wide receiver has to suck. But, you know, Sirianni goes up right next to him and is just kind of talking to him. It didn't seem like, 
a huge thing. But again, the way they were describing it was that Smith needed to kind of blow off some steam there. Um, you know, the ball was not coming his way uh, in this game. This wasn't a Devontae Smith game. And so that was the other one I had written down. So I think those were the three, Kelsey, uh, Sirianni and Hurts there, and then Devontae Smith. But there was a stretch there where I swear every time they came back from commercial, they're like, let's go to Tom Rinaldi <laughs> describing what he's seeing on the Eagles sideline. Wait till you get a load of this. And then they showed me the thing and I was disappointed. But again, I've probably already complained too much about that. All right. Let's see. What else do I have here, uh, Benny Souls? We talked about the. I think the big qu- uh, last thing on the defense, just the question going forward, is how are they handling this nickel position? Like, is Bradley Roby just playing 100% of the snaps uh, next week against the Jets? Are they experimenting with different packages? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I felt like when Roby got in there, it felt a lot more settled. They had a couple yeah. reps where they showed the replay and they were like passing stuff off really well. And I'm like, that's impressive. He's barely uh, even been there, but he's also been in the league for what, a decade now. So um, Roby has played this slot before. Like this is not new for him. I mean, he he has played this slot for many years. So I would think if you feel good about where he is physically, um, you would probably trust him more than the younger guys where maybe you throw him in there. And then if you're like, all right, he's got some limitations at this age, uh, then maybe you go with somebody else because that would be three old corners. But I don't know. With the other guys you have on the roster, my guess, and it's only a guess, would be that he would be the best option. I guess we'll just see what they do next week. Yeah, the Roby thing is such a classic. Like, well, we just got him in the building. He doesn't know all the checks just yet. And we don't have like a miscommunication problem. And like, we're going to get him out there. And he's a, he's a pro for us. He started at slot corner last year. We know he's going to be good. He's going to solve our problems. We're just not yet. Like, we're going to ramp him up. We want to make sure we're, we're all good. And then you watch one drive of Mario Goodrich and you're like, what if we just do the four play calls Bradley Roby knows for yeah, the rest of the game, right? Very quickly, you, you realize it, it was a lot easier to justify leaving Goodrich out there when Roby wasn't burning a hole in your pocket on the sideline. But once, he, once you got him, tough not to use him. Uh, we haven't gotten a chance to talk about the Roby signing. It's a good signing. Roby was a solid slot for the Saints last year. He has inside out versatility. He's a little long in the tooth, 100%. The Eagles are really pushing the boundary on cornerback age at this point in the season, man. They are just, they are just employing the geriatric and, 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 Honestly, and living with that. Th- th- that's, that was good. I thought once Bradbury gave up that second touchdown, I thought I was going to be leading the show with that. Hey, I warned you guys all summer. You keep the old corners. This is what happened. But that's not what happened. Sorry, I interrupted yeah. you. Go ahead. Uh, so it's, uh, um, it's uh, a spot where he's going to get out there. He's going to play the nickel. The, in the event that they get an injury to one of Slayer Bradbury in game. I imagine they're going to do like Job on the outside. And then after that, I think they're going to try to think of ways to do Roby and Slay on the outside and then put somebody else in at the nickel, do a matchup thing. You know, now you've gotten like a little bit more film on Goodrich. You've gotten film on Ricks. You've gotten film on Job. You kind of know what you like and what you don't. And you'll, you'll, you'll try things week over week based off of who you're facing. Um, but altogether, I think that's a really good signing. That's a nice signing. I'm, 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 I'm excited about that. Um, doesn't erase the linebacker stuff and the safety stuff. Interior is still an issue for this team, but it 100% settles it way more than it was previously. Yeah, I uh, I agree. All right. That's all I had on the defense. Other stuff on the offense here. So uh, Eagles had 454 yards of offense and 28 first downs. And I do feel like we probably just take that for granted as a co-host of the Ringers Philly special. Like those are not normal, you know, they're the elite offenses. Yes, they put those the Eagles have put up those kinds of numbers pretty consistently over two years now. Uh, they had eight possessions. They scored on five of them. Based on EPA per drive, this was their best offensive performance of the season, and last week was their second best offensive performance. So if you want to tell yourself a story that is trending in the right direction, you can do that a little bit uh, with these numbers. 
Jalen Hurts, 25 for 38 for 303 yards, also ran Ooh. for 72 yards. I mean, to, to throw for 300 and run for 70, uh, how many times do you think Hurts uh, has done that before, Benny Souls? At least twice. No. Um, no? Unless I have it wrong. Eh, you know, I, I'm looking up these things quickly right before the pod, so it's possible I have it wrong. I have it down as once. Do you know what the game was? <sighs> he had an enormous rushing day one year last year, and I, I can't remember who it was against, but I remember I was going to bet over rushing yards, and I didn't, and then I felt horrible. Was it, it wasn't Vikings, was it? The Super Bowl. Oh, small law. Okay, wow. Yeah, it, it was the uh, Super Bowl where he ran for 374. Uh, again, this is rare. Last five years, a quarterback has, has thrown for 300 and run for 70 in a game 10 times. That's it. Mm -hmm. 10 times in five years. Like This is not the type of thing, the dual threat uh, production that we are used to seeing. Uh, Hertz has done it twice now. Josh Allen has done it three times. Lamar Jackson has done it twice. No one else has done it more than one. So that's kind of the company when you just talk about, hey, what does the A plus, and I wouldn't, I honestly wouldn't even say this is like an A plus game from Hertz. I, I think once we look at the field, okay, he missed some throws. He left some stuff on the field. He threw the interception. But just when you look at like a high level production game from a quarterback like this, what he's capable of, that's kind of the company uh, we're talking about here. So um, again, I think the legs were the big things that definitely uh, stood out to me. I do believe there was a play in this game where he got to the backside dig for 24 yards on a third yes. down. There I was, was right? I was, okay. I was added. Yes. He, I was, I was, yeah. I was <laughs> uh, hit, hit, hit up on Twitter multiple times. Just great. He did. It's good the, job by, listen, good job by the audience recognizing that in real time. Cause they that's know the not day. Easy. It's good. Yeah. Listen, it was the only backside throw he had to make for the entire game. He dropped back 38 <laughs> times, but that was, that's a good, that's a good thing. Like that was, that was a very dominant performance. Like the, the lack of progressions was more of an issue against the commanders. It was more of a testament to how well the offense was working here in this game. Um, but yeah, ripping the backside dig was, I, I definitely was like, good. Also, someone's going to yell at me for that. And then immediately I was getting hit with it, which is very fair. Absolutely right. Uh, you saw, again, out of structure plays in addition to the scrambles. I thought that first touchdown pass to Goddard uh, was really nice, you know, kind of the ball location there where he was with his eyes early on that play. Uh, he did a nice job there. The interception in the red zone, we already talked about. Um, to your point, they had, yeah, there was a lot of sustaining long drives, you know, four drives of 10 plus yards. It really watching, it felt like they had the ball uh, the entire game and they did have the ball for quite a bit in this game, but they still found a way to hit those explosives. As you mentioned, AJ Brown, six for 127, ho-hum, you know, just a little, but the AJ Brown drive, that, I mean, the drive you mentioned, yeah. that's like the AJ Brown drive. I mean, one-handed catch over the middle, plus run, 38 yards, draws the horse collar, 15 more yards, then draws the DPI. I mean, that's how you, that's how you score in whatever it was, 32, 35 seconds before halftime. And that, that was incredible. It, it's always fun to see a wide receiver just take over a drive like that. That was, uh, that was unbelievable stuff from him. Almost taunted after the DPI. Many and times he almost taunted in this game. I felt I was looking yeah. for the flags. And if he had gotten <laughs> called for the taunt... I would have endorsed it. I would have said that was a good play. I am, I'm so in on like I love taunting. Taunt. I can't help taunting it. after a potential game winning touchdown, which leads team to then have to go into overtime to actually win a game, <laughs> and then immediately the next week taunting after a first half DPI. 
Dude, go off. I've learned nothing and I will learn nothing. Immediately setting the expectation. I will taunt at all times in any place if I want to. And rightfully so, because I'm your $100 million man and I was the wide receiver one on this team and I'm an incredible superstar. AJ Brown. You know the other thing AJ Brown's doing is the, with the cleats, right? Are, are, are you following AJ Brown cleat watch? Kind of. He had to change them at halftime. He said he wore the bright ones because he wanted his daughter to recognize him. He's mad at the NFL. Uh, yes. You, you, you give me the yeah, explanation. So he was wearing bright cleats and this was like earlier in the season and the NFL, uh, like the NFL is going to fine you if you don't wear regulation cleats. You have to wear white, black or one of your team's uh, accent colors. So he could wear like uh, uh, Eagles green. Uh, and so in one of the early games of the season, he was wearing like these like neon cleats and the equipment staff was like, you have to change them. And he was like, no. And then the coaching staff was like, we're not going to put you back in <laughs> unless you change them. So he changed them to avoid the fine. And he's like, it's really irritating that I get a fine for this because I'm just trying to do this for my daughter. because I want my daughter to be able to see where I am on the field. That way she knows who I am, which is great. Like, I love it. That's beautiful. He's since just done this every single week. And he's also wearing different color cleats every single time today was bright pink it's october that's uh, breast cancer awareness socially active king all right the best thing is that <laughs> he has to change them every time so he warms up he's just still doing it he just warms up in one set of cleats tapes them on they're taped on wears them for a few drives his daughter can see him and then he has to change them and he keeps being really productive after he changes them. And so he keeps them like wearing them, gets like two catches, 25 yards, whatever. And then when he changes them, and presumably his daughter can no longer tell which player he is, he starts just popping off, which is very unlucky for him and his daughter. I find that to be an unbelievable storyline. I look forward every week to seeing what bright highlighter color AJ Brown's cleats are before the equipment staff is like, all right, AJ, it's that time again. Put on the white cleats. It's so funny to me. All right. I, yeah, I will take your uh, version because I had no yeah, I had no idea beyond the one week he did it, he changed and then he was He's done it every week. Dirt. And I love He's him done for it. every week. Okay. Well, uh, I'm with you on the taunting. Uh, honestly, and I'm with you because I think we both find it fun and we find it uh entertaining. There's also like if I were, you know, his uh his attorney in the court of should he taunt or not taunt, I would say, you know what? That's part of how he's wired. If you want him to make the big plays and think he's the man and think he's going to dunk on everybody, then guess what? He has to do that after he dunks on everybody or he won't have that same thing inside of him that makes him actually able to dunk on them. Yep. Uh, C.D. Carter. something to that. C.D. Yeah. Carter, a, a, a previous road world. I don't know where, where C.D. is at this time. I apologize for that. Uh, has a tweet where he's like, uh, the average quarterback tweet, and it's like, oh, you know, yes. leadership yeah. team, whatever. This average, is an all-time, yeah. Average tight end tweet, like, right whatever. Here. And then the average wide receiver tweet is like, the enemy <laughs> speaks softly and holds a knife, which is so funny to me. I don't know if that was, if that didn't make you laugh, listener, because I didn't explain it well. Just Google it, you'll find it. It's very funny. Regardless, the implication of the tweet is like, all star wide receivers are just like, bananas in terms of their like, worldview, and they're like, what's important? Like, just like, Every celebration makes no sense. Like just Stefan Diggs stealing beer from people, right? Thinking about like uh, just AJ Brown, just, uh, uh, Jamar Chase just talking about how he's open on every single play. George Pickens called himself the best receiver. Like all receivers, just their perspective on the game is just shockingly different than everybody else's. So when AJ Brown is like, I'm just going to taunt forever and also wear neon colored cleats. I'm like, yes, you will. Because that's what makes you good. That's how I know I you're a good receiver. If you're, if you like, whenever Cooper Cup's like, I love the team and I'm so excited to play my role for the team and the Rams are great and what a great team we have. I'm like, he's why you're not really a star, Cooper. If you were a star, <laughs> you'd be causing problems at this time. 
<laughs> oh, my Cooper Cup listening to this just, you know, wants to know what the I'm sorry. Catch more than three balls on the non-first drive of the game, Cooper. All right. Compete. I mean, Bradley Ropey wasn't even playing last week and locked you down. I don't think that's that might not actually be what not happened. Not even remotely but, you know, accurate, yeah. but we're just talking Listen, mess at this point. Roby got in the game and uh, Cup didn't catch many balls after that. So there you go. Uh, all right. What else do I have here on the offense? I think that's most of we already we already got into Quest Watkins probably earlier than we needed to on this podcast. That you was always my say lower. we like do things earlier than we need to. We do things in the exact correct order on 100% right. of shows. That's true. I agree with that. We had the AJ Brown takeover. We had the weird stuff happening uh, on the sideline. We had that they ran uh, a lot of plays here. I think that was most of the stuff that I had. What am I missing? Run Jake game. Elliott's. How about the How about DeAndre Swift? DeAndre Swift is playing awesome. Like I don't. Yep. I don't. The numbers. What, what were the numbers? He was seventeen for seventy. He was awesome on Phil last week, even though the numbers weren't great. Watching this game live, I'm like, this guy is so much better than I thought he was going to be. All the stuff about, you know, taking negative uh, negative plays and dancing behind the line of scrimmage. He's not doing any of that. He's gaining tough yards. He's breaking tackles. Uh, he's just playing really well. They're using him in different ways. They're using him on uh, bubble screens. They're using him more as a receiver. He had the rep last week, one-on-one against Jamin Davis down the uh, right side there. Tonight, he had six catches for 38 yards. I mean, he had 108 yards from scrimmage, and we're talking about him 45 minutes in into the podcast. Uh, I've just been really impressed with the guy. Like he's playing better now than Miles Sanders ever did. I will just say that flat out. He's playing better right now than Kenny Gainwell uh, ever has. I'm trying to think who the running backs are. Like who was the last running back who played this well? I don't know. I'd have to do a little research. Everyone knows I'm old. Right. I don't eat my almonds and it's after 830. So it's going to be tough for me to really have that conversation right now. But I'm just loving what I'm seeing from DeAndre Swift. I'll say that. He has, uh, uh, he had six catches for 38 yards as well, which is like, sounds sounds not exciting at all it's also just better than the receiving production of like any eagles back last season right they didn't really throw to him very much i'm sure like kenny had like a better day somewhere where like a long catch and run but he's just a more effective receiver than he than the eagles backs were last season which like that was one of the leads of getting him and since he's been so productive as a runner it's kind of been buried since but it's so nice to have like a check down back who's like an actual guy who can like do a thing with the ball in his hands who can be reliable six targets for him that's a good day in the office um, I think if there's an eagle that we didn't talk about that we have to talk about, it's the young man Jalen Carter. Two sacks I mean, on the I day. You mentioned him with the with the with the wonderful sack. Did he have two? He had two sacks on the day by by the score oh. by the ESPN scorekeep. Yeah, okay. yeah. I mean the so, the one was just a holy cow. What a win! He, what he a almost win. just threw Matthew Stafford like ten feet into the turf. Yeah, unbelievable. Uh, so Carter now at this point has three and a half sacks on the season through five games. Uh, so the potential for double digit sacks, he's not like on pace, but he's close. Uh, remember, like Indomik and Sue won this, uh, the defensive rookie of the year award with a nine sack season, 10 sack or nine or 10 sacks uh, in, in his rookie season. You can win this award as a defensive tackle if you get like eight or so, eight plus or so sacks. He is on pace for that. He's also on pace for looking like the best player ever. Uh, he looks so good. He's he's their best quick. defensive player. I'll say that he's been their best defensive player through five games. I would say they walk they walk into the game with defensive tackle injuries and you don't notice it or feel it or care because they have him yeah. and then they have Jordan Davis who's just like retracing screens. Jordan Davis like like this is gonna, this is such like a football head take. Jordan Davis playing so well against screens is such a good sign for him because it shows he's smart. 
Like when 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 I when a defensive tackle, a young defensive tackle can see screens as well as he does and get to them. Like that's not the guy who like gets how football is working. Like he can feel offensive linemen, he can feel backs, he can feel tempo. Like he just has a good understanding of his role and he doesn't make mistakes. He's not slow to the ball and like he doesn't move very fast. So the fact that he's getting to these backs is crazy. Uh, Davis and Carter, my large adult Georgian sons, are just so good. <laughs> and and what a what it's what a relief for this defense because if they didn't have truly dominant defensive tackle play they would be so easy to run on with the state of the linebacking room with how light of boxes they play with and it's just not even close they're one of the best run defenses in the league and it's because the defensive tackle play is unreal the play of those two could not have gone uh, through five weeks even anybody who had the highest of expert this this has exceeded that i mean it, it literally could not have gone any better for those two through the first five weeks of the season. Uh, absolutely. I mean, I'm just, yeah, I'm blown away with Carter every week when I'm doing the film and taking notes, I'm just writing his name down over and over and over yep. and over again on like every play and just like jaw dropping plays. Not like, Oh yeah, he kind of, well, it's kind of nice. Yeah, it's a, no, it's like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> like you never see somebody do this to a grown man on the other side of the ball. Uh, he's here's, doing that. Here's, here's the best framework. Here's the best framework for it. Okay. You're an you offensive got? line coach facing the Eagles next week. Who are you game planning for? It's him. And by the way, there was a play. If you would, if you watch, I, I don't think I mentioned this during the uh, other pod, but last week, there's multiple examples of protection sliding, double teaming Jalen Carter. You know how those clips were circulating of Fletcher Cox killing the right guard? Yeah, yeah. You know how he, why he was one-on-one -on -one against the right guard? Because <laughs> the center was over with Jalen Carter. Yeah, absolutely. It's helped everybody. No yeah. wonder Fletcher Cox is like, I really got to mentor this guy. He's, he might extend my career like another three years. Hassan Reddick had 16 sacks last season and opposing offenses game plan for the rookie defensive tackle. Like, yeah, that's no nuts. And Reddick had two sacks in this game and Reddick's kind of woken up a little bit over the last couple of days. He's been pressuring and playing great. His sack numbers haven't been there. He's been awesome. But it's just like Reddick sweat. Like, these are great players. And you game plan for the rookie defensive tackle. That's yeah. so annoying. That's so cool. Unheard that's of. Just, that's the bomb. Carter, like, the production is tough. Eagles team is going to get a lot of sacks. There's going to be a lot to go around. And so like, he might get enough production, whatever. Devon Witherspoon's playing great. Like, who knows what's happening there? But like, it, it, defensive rookie of the year, if it were awarded on film alone, Carter, uh, you could give him the award now and be positive that like whatever happens over the next 12 weeks, like probably isn't going to change the fact that this guy is just an unbelievable player for it being his first season in the league. I think he's going to win. I mean, if he stays healthy, I think he's going to win it. Uh, I think he's getting enough hype. I think the numbers will be, you mentioned it. I mean, this is rare territory. Artie, if he just, if his season was over now and he had three and a half sacks, that's already above average sack production or average sack production for a rookie defensive tackle. The man has played five games so far. All right. Upcoming schedule here, Benjamin. How are you feeling? At the Jets. Let's right. do your schedule. Let's do your schedule thing. We haven't done that yet this year. Play the Let's game. With this. Let me get, do I need a pen to write this down? Do I have a pen? Where's my pen? Who took, I'll get my pen. Hold Oh, was, is this on me? Like, what are you asking me where the pen is for? Yeah, I mean, you're supposed to talk. When I say I have to go get my pen, I mean, Cliff knows, being a professional, if I say I got to go get my pen, you have to fill the dead air there for like two seconds, which you did not do. Cliff, am I right? I, yeah, I would have helped y'all out anyway. Y'all know I'm, you know, ace producer, <laughs> Cliff August. Yeah. I, I would have helped y'all out anyway, so it doesn't matter. She'll also By the talking way, about filling dead air on a podcast <laughs> is insane, old man. What are you talking about? We have, there are editing tools, Shield. They're going to blow your no, mind, man. No, 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 because I tell Cliff, Cliff, I'm not giving you 
extra work. You don't have to edit any podcast. Oh, I do. Guy, this, is a, this is a long-standing Shield Kapadia rule. This is meant to be a natural conversation. This is not a hold on. Let me take that back. I didn't like how I said Jalen Carter. No, no, we don't mess around with that stuff here. We say what's on our mind. We go forward. Cliff, make sure we say nothing that gets us fired or in <laughs> trouble with our audience. And then the po- podcast uh, goes up there. By the way, Cliff, uh, yeah. you are known exclusively in my household. By my kids as ace producer Cliff. Augustine, <laughs> yep. Just so you know, shout out to, awesome. shout out to your, <laughs> your kids, name man. doesn't get mentioned uh, without ace producer in front of it. How yeah. are you feeling, Cliff, about this victory? Uh, first of all, I love the victory, but y'all didn't discuss just like one glaring issue, and that's Nicholas Morrow. That dude is just not good at football <laughs> at all. Him and Zach Cunningham, the, the face mask on third and twenty six. No, that was, was kind of crazy. Face mask. That was Cunningham. Cunningham on the face mask. Morrow yeah. with the dropped interception that. Honestly, it was like a loaf of bread someone handed to you and just don't let it hit the ground. <laughs> they, yo, <laughs> hit the they ground don't somehow. cover space. I think, I think Morrow got into like uh, one pressure on Matt Stafford that did affect the pass. But in, in the end, I'm thinking to myself, like every time I watch this team and I watch just them two specifically, I'm like, how far can this defense really make it with them two? Because they don't cover space. They don't really tackle that well. They don't pressure that well. Like, I... I don't know. I'm concerned about them too. Morrow had the three sacks. When was uh, that? Still, Last it week. Does. It's it's Solak's uh, old old theory that if a guy can't cover, just have him rush the quarterback. Send him. <laughs> it's, uh, listen, it's, uh, listen, I spent the first four weeks complaining about the Eagles linebacking core to varying degrees. It was a good win against the Rams. I, I thought the Rams offense was going to put a lot of points on them. I'm willing to give Morrow a pass for today. By the time my, my emotions have cooled watching the film on Monday... I'm sure I'm gonna be watching Zach Cunningham just like breaking a pencil in my hand. Linebacking guy play I, overall, it is not good. Nicobe Dean will return. We'll save us all. Don't worry. About I it. would say I see. I would say overall, it has not been nearly as bad as I would expect. I think they've that's, gotten most. No, that's also true. It's been better than okay. I thought it would be. Expectations it's been are like that, average. See, that's the problem. No, Expectations no, are that low. It hasn't. That yeah. you said overall, it hasn't been as bad. That's how bad expectations like, are for these guys. That is crazy. Like, I'm me. not talking about this game. I, I need to go back. I'll go back and we'll, you know, go over how they played in this. In previous, like, two, three games, it hasn't been like, oh, my gosh, the linebackers are killing them. I mean, if you watch that Washington game, most of the plays they gave up, the you know, the Sam Howell stuff, most of it was on the cornerbacks uh, and safety. Terrell Edmonds, that has been a huge issue. He did not play today. Just played. So. Yeah, yeah, he's. Uh, I don't think you want him. Uh, you you said it more clear than I could have said it. I agree with that. Uh, so he's been more, way more of an issue to me than the linebackers have been. I think the linebackers have been like average. Okay, now they haven't played like talk to me in week seven when they play the Dolphins. Talk to me in week nine when they play the Cowboys. Talk to me in week 11, 12, and thirteen when they play they play the Chiefs, Chiefs, Bills, and 49ers. And we could be coming on here leading about. Oh my God, those guys cannot be on the field anymore. But I'll just say so far. I don't think it's been a disaster. I think it's been okay. It's been fine. I, I think it's been a disaster. You disagree. I, don't, I, don't, I, I highly disagree. They're five and out. Yeah, five and out. It's a bad complaint. And we can't complain. Yep, it's a bad complaint. And I'm happy to see my boy Hurts running the ball a little bit more too. He bailed us out a couple times in those third and third and long. So yeah, shout out to Hurts. Big time. Putting his body on the line. He didn't look like quite like Sam Howell, but you know, he was de- deking out some defenders, <laughs> didn't get hit too much. Being five and out is just, is the key here. And, um, you can't really complain today because I thought today was like the most well-rounded win, at least in my eyes. At least. I, I don't know. If- I would agree with that. Yeah. Especially no, based on opponent day. and everything else. All right. All right. Let's finish with souls. Let's go through the schedule. You like to do this game uh, at Love the it. Jets in, in week six. What do you got? Win. Win. Okay. Uh, Miami at home in week seven. That is a Sunday nighter. 
<laughs> boys win, but also like, come on, I don't know. They might score a lot. That's tough. <laughs> it's tough. You tough said win. That's all I need win. to know. At Washington in week eight. Win. Win. Okay. Week nine at home against Dallas before the bye. I'm watching this that Dallas Niners game as we as don't we tell me anything. I gotta I gotta start it once. I'm feeling like this. I'm feeling like when no spoilers. Okay, okay four. So so <laughs> so so has got him nine and zero going into the bye in week ten. All right, week eleven at the Kansas City Chiefs on Monday night. Loss. Okay, week twelve home against the Buffalo Bills. Loss. Okay, week thirteen home against the San Francisco 49ers. Win because the Niners are going to be like, we're going to do it. And then they're not. It's going to be funny. That game's going to have so that's going to have the most juice of any game. A lot of juice in that one. Week 13. All right. Week 14 at Dallas. Loss. Holy cow, this schedule. Oh my God. It's about to get real fun for us on this podcast. Yep. Uh, week, week 15 at Seattle. Win. Win. Okay. Week 16, home against the Giants. Un- unbelievable win. Record setting win. Week 17 against Cliff's boy, Johnny Gans and the Arizona Cardinals. A a new record-setting win. (laughs) (laughs) Week 18 at the New York Giants. They rest the starters. So no record-setting win, but a win nonetheless. But a win nonetheless. All right. So you had them going nine and three the rest of the way for a 14 and three record, which and wins, by the way, a win over the 49ers. So I would say you would have them as the number one seed in the NFC. There you I, go. I think that I would be shocked at this stage if that Eagles Niners game is not for the number one seed in the NFC. The only mm. way it is, is if like the Eagles go through Dolphins, Cowboys, Chiefs, Bills, and like, like really like actually lose all four of those games. Maybe like it'll end up being like they lose three and the Niners are a one loss team. And so like they would still need some help or something. But in general, like Eagles Niners circle it, man. I mean, that's going to be the and with, with all, especially the NFC Championship rematch. That's going to be the game. That might be the game of the season. I can't wait. Yeah. Yeah. Fans are already so excited about that one, given how the 49ers took that loss. So there you go. We said it was important to stack wins early in the season. Guess what? They have stacked wins early in the season. Five and oh, coming off of a Super Bowl loss. What is it? 21 and one in Jalen Hurts' last 22 regular season starts, something like that. Some absurd number. There you go. All right. That will do it for this episode of the Ringers Philly special. I will be back Monday night. Phillies, game two. Go Phils. Game one recap pod. If you didn't already, maybe they get to 2-0. Come back to Citizens Bank Park 2-0. Oh, baby, that would be exciting. All right. We'll see what happens there. We'll be back to talk about it after that all right thank you to ace producer cliff augustine for producing thank you to benny souls we will talk to everybody on monday night Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. 
Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. 